So when God, the, the Scripture says that the incarnation, the coming, the, the God becoming man came, it tells of Him emptying Himself, taking on the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. All the adjectives and all the exclamations in language cannot say enough about that reality. We don't have enough words in our vocabulary, enough words to fill volumes to describe this good news of God becoming man, becoming the substitute for our sin. There are not enough words to tell about this good news. There's just not enough words. Yet, paradoxically, history's most notable birth happened in the most obscure, nondescript, humble circumstances. Jesus was born in the place where animals were staying. No one in that sleepy Bethlehem village realized the significance of what had just happened. We don't know how long Mary was in labor. But there wasn't a sudden, as many of you women know, there's not that, it's like, oh, thank God. But then all of a sudden, everything in Mary is going, this is the Christ child. The one that has been promised. Nobody outside that stable knew about this life-altering thing. Except those who were out in the fields, keeping their flocks by night. The shepherds. The shepherds were the ones chosen by God to receive, for the first time, the good news. And here's the deal about these shepherds. These shepherds were often uneducated, working class folks. They were people who had their hands dirty. And the religious folks of those days deemed them as unqualified people to worship in God's temple because they could not keep up with man-made expectations. So they were kept out of the temple courts. They were kept out. And here's the great news. God announced for the first time that His Son is coming. He's born. He's born this day. And who did He come to? People like you and me. He did not come to the religious folks of the day. He did not show up in the temple courts. He showed up to simple people like Paul Room. He showed up to simple people like you with the greatest message ever. The good news came first and foremost to an unlikely group of people. Last week I described our church as a group of misfits. That's a compliment, right? But that's what we are. We are people who are misfits. We don't quite fit in. We're not the most beautiful, glamorous, pretty people on the face of the earth. But God showed up to those people. People like us. So in the tranquil normalcy of their life, of keeping their flocks by night, watching them, doing their hard work, their nightly routine was shattered. 
It was absolutely shattered in the most dramatic, most amazing, and the most unexpected way. While they were doing what they normally did during the long hours of the night, watching dirty, dumb sheep, an angel of the Lord broke in. It's almost as if, imagine the darkest night where maybe only stars are out and heaven rips open. And an angel steps through that tear. And it describes in that time how the glory of the Lord was just there. God's presence, his, the glow of His personality, of all of who He is, just broke out into this scene. And it was dramatic. It was God's expression showing up and the angel was just, I have got the best news for you. Anytime that God shows up on the scene, it is something to be reckoned with. When God shows up, it is good news or judgment. And so these these shepherds by nature were going, okay, I know what has happened to our forefathers. When God speaks, it could be either judgment, which often it was because we have in our own way a certain way of wandering, don't we? I don't care where you are in your walk with Jesus Christ or if you don't have a walk with Jesus Christ this morning. We all have our way of wandering. We have a wandering eye. We have wandering hearts. We have split allegiances. No matter, no matter who you are, we all have a way of wandering. Right? And if you don't believe it, ask the person that you came with. Because it's true. But these angels... This angel showed up and said, listen guys, do not fear because I give you good news of great joy. I have good news for you. His message was not one of judgment. It was not one of condemnation of one shaking his finger and saying, you, oh, you have screwed up. And now the judgment of God is upon you. I have good news of great joy, which is for all people. I have good news for you. You have been banned from the temple courts. You are a person who who is naturally a wanderer. You are a person whose heart is far from God. In fact, maybe your heart is even opposed to God. I have got good news of great joy for you this morning. And they said, we've got good news of great joy for you tonight. Good news news. Luke, the author of this gospel, of this this chapter in the Bible, loves the word good news. He has used it 24 times in his gospel of of Luke. He has used it in his his, uh, the book of Acts. He has used it 24 times. And the good news of the gospel is this is that God has sent a Savior to redeem sinners. He has brought good news. 
And here's the deal. After that angel says, listen, fear not. Don't be afraid. It's not a message of judgment, of condemnation. But it is a message of good news, of great joy, which is for all people. For today, tonight, at this very moment, a Savior has been born to you. He's a Savior for you. Not just those people over there, but for you. This message is for you this morning. It's a message for us this morning. A Savior has been born for us. And He's Christ the Lord. And that should cause great joy. That should transform the very way that we live, the very way that we breathe, the very way that we spend our time, the very way that we deal with our grandchildren, the very way that we deal with our children, our finances, our time, our talents, our treasure, the way that we view other people. It should transform our whole world. In fact, it should so permeate us in such a way that it causes great love for other people. Great love. So while this angel was speaking to the shepherds, something even more amazing took place. Suddenly there appeared with the angel. It says, and there suddenly with the angel was a multitude of heavenly hosts. A multitude. Now, how many of the millions and millions of holy angels were there? It doesn't say. But the word in Greek... the is myriad. So it's, uh, the word myriad is 10,000. The highest number of which there was a word at that time. Myriad. So there were myriads of myriads. Ten thousands of ten thousands of angels showed up on the scene. And so, could you imagine lowly, everyday plumbers Lowly, everyday workmen. Blue-collar guys out there in the field. No offense to you plumbers, okay? And blue-collar folks. But he came to us. Working out in the field. Doing your everyday job. And suddenly what happened? Heaven ripped open again. Ten thousands of ten thousands showed up. A great company Beyond count. And when I imagine this, when I, when I think of every one of God's angels showing up, it was probably the most spectacular event of all of history. I like to think of that from horizon to horizon, from every corner of the earth, the whole sky was filled with light. I would like to think that the, the constellations of that night were just absolutely obscured. It was as if daylight has come. I like to imagine that there was just, it was just colors, golds and pinks and blues and hyacinths, ultraviolet colors. Maybe some were just even sparkling. John Milton said this as he imagined the ranks. He said, the helmed cherubim, the sordid seraphim, in glittering ranks with wings displayed, the stars with deep amaze stand fixed in steadfast gaze. All of heaven was on the stage 
announcing good news of great joy. They were proclaiming this good news in cosmic stereo. Everywhere that they, the, angel, or the shepherds looked was another angel singing this song, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom He is pleased. Glory to God in the highest. May God receive the most glory, the most praise, the most adoration, the most worship. May He receive it all. To God be all the glory. May He be famed above everything else. All of heaven broke in. Singing the good news. Doing what angels do best. Praising God. You read the book of Revelation. It's not about, you know, here's the doomsday doomsday clock coming to an end. It is a story about worship. About all of heaven around God's throne. Singing and praising and enjoying and loving God. And what did they do? They broke onto earth stage. Singing and praising all of heaven broke loose with the rejoicing of the birth of the Son of God. The angels knew Him as the second person of the Trinity before His, our, his incarnation, where they just saw Him in absolute splendor. They understood because they, have, they are timeless beings. They, too, understood that the fall of mankind had transformed the human race into sinful rebels who were against God. But they also knew that God provided a way. The angelic chorus also reflects the pinnacle, the pinnacle of all thought and all action, the highest of all truths. That's that's the supreme reason for existence. The supreme reason for my existence, for your existence, whether you want to believe it or not, is to give God glory with our lives. To give Him the glory that He deserves. The ultimate purpose, even in providing a way of salvation, is not just ultimately for you. It's so that God is glorified. That He is honored. That more voices are in His choir, enjoying Him. More voices are going forward, sharing this good news. And they shared the good news that you now have peace with God. You have peace with God. With salvation in Jesus Christ. This is the Gospel. This is the good news. John Hendricks says this. What is this gospel? What is this good news? In short, the gospel is the life-altering. I love that. Life-altering news. That Jesus, the eternal Son of God, became man. Lived a sinless life under the law. Died for sinners and rose again to reconcile them to himself, eternally victorious over every enemy that stood between God and man. That is the good news. 
that God provided a way that we can have fellowship with Him, and that was only through Jesus Christ. So when Jesus Christ said that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one can come to the Father but through me, He's saying, come to me. All you who are weary, heavy laden, all those of you who are finding your own way, who are wayward, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you peace. My way is the way. Not a way. My way is the way. No one can come to the Father but through me. And that is the good news. So how does that good news transform us, change us? Should it? Man, I hope so. The angels didn't hang around for coffee time. They didn't hang around to say, hey, okay, so here's what you got to do. Your first task is to kind of write some books about this, hand out some pamphlets in in Bethlehem and Jerusalem, and here's your next step, and then I want you to do this. Uh, They shared the good news, and that was enough. Because after the angels had gone away into heaven, the, the shepherds immediately started discussing this amazing event. And can you imagine that? I grew up in a Dutch culture. And for some of you, that means absolutely nothing. But I want you to think of bland pot roast. Okay, we, we kind of sit around and we, our food doesn't taste like much. In fact, if you ever go to some of our churches, it's really kind of... We just hold books and we sing like this. There's not much personality. But these shepherds, when they heard this good news, it wasn't about pot roast. It wasn't about, you know, just holding songbooks. They were discussing, can you believe what just happened? Oh my God. First there was one, and then the whole sky blew up with angels, and they sang this song. What do we do with this? This is, I don't know. What do you do with this? Well, let's brainstorm. They didn't bring out the whiteboard and say, okay, here's our plan A. Here's our plan B. They said, we, we have got to go see this thing that we have been told. If this is true, we have got to respond to this. They have heard all their lives that a Messiah, a Savior was coming. They've been told and they've been anticipating this. And many of us in this room this morning have heard our entire lives about this Messiah, this Jesus Christ. but have not yet responded. We sit quietly. I'm a skeptic. Seriously, I'm not sure. Some of us, we call ourselves believers, Christians, followers of Jesus. But our lives are nothing like these shepherds, is it? they, They have these feverish discussions about Jesus Christ, and then they go... And they discover. And then beyond that, they tell. Once they heard, they believed, and they acted on the truth. The shepherds could not help but tell other people about it. They went to the stable where where this Christ child was born, and they said, It's true! He's here! 
Their hearts resonated with the message they heard from the angels. It is true. What they said is true. And what did they do? What did they do? Verse 15 of chapter 2. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the angels said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They went really quick. They went quickly. They moved. Sometimes I don't see us move very fast. There's a lot of lethargy in our steps. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. Imagine blue-collar guys with this amazing excitement. Heaven broke open. I know. You're not going to believe what just took place. But first there was one angel, and then all of a sudden the whole sky was filled with God's messengers telling the good news, singing the song. I know the song from heart right now. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good news, on whom his favor rests. I know it's an amazing song. The Messiah is here. And all these people are going... Okay, do you know what time it is? You're, you're knocking on my door. It, it's probably about three in the morning. Shh. What? What did they just say? They responded. As ridiculous as that message sounds, they responded. Their hearts were opened up by God and they go, yes, it is true. This is absolute truth. And I need to respond to this good news. And how do I respond? By telling others. Folks, there is, your life is not like a school lunch tray. Your life is not like a school lunch tray where your work goes into one compartment, your marriage goes into another compartment, your faith, if you have faith in Christ, goes into another compartment, your politics go into another compartment, and they never mix. Your faith in Jesus Christ, if it does not impact your view on politics, if it does not impact the way that you work, the way that you interact with your spouse and your children, if it does not impact that, I'm not sure that it is true faith in Christ. If you want to keep things compartmentalized, God is saying today, are you serious? Look at the shepherds. They should have just stayed out in the flock then. Kept it to themselves. But it impacted them in such a way that it sent them out with good news. Christ has come for sinners. As Paul says, of which he is the foremost. He's the greatest. And this is the guy that wrote the vast majority of the New Testament. I'm the worst of sinners. I'm the worst. And the good news came for the worst of sinners to the most religious The good news is coming for us.
and it is available today. True spiritual commitment. For those of you who are believers, are in Christ, true spiritual commitment is determined by the quality and tenacity of a believer's long-term joy over your salvation. Over your long-term joy of your salvation. So let's say, Nick, how old are you? How old exactly? 85. Here's the thing with Nick. And you've been a Christian how long, Nick? A long time. Here's the thing. As each passing day and year goes by with an 85-year-old believer, his passion and joy for Jesus Christ should only what? Increase. As he experiences God's faithfulness and God's salvation for even today, as as he experiences his mercies that are new again today for me, a broken person, that should create even greater joy. Greater joy. The enthusiasm that we see in our children. I love watching these kids. But you know what I wish? I wish those who are in Christ, who are 40, almost 42 to 85, that our joy found in Jesus Christ just grows exponentially. That when I say, hey, we are going to do an adult choir this year for Christmas. Yeah, we've got Andy. That's the only hand I saw. The rest of you are giggling, going, no way. But where you go, I've got a message. You know what? My salvation found in Christ is bringing even greater joy, and I'm willing to stand up here and have the kids sit out there. Could you imagine the testimony of our kids going, what is with these loony adults? They have great joy, and they testify that it is because of their salvation found in Jesus Christ. True spiritual, true spiritual commitment is determined by the quality and tenacity of a believer's long-term joy over your salvation. I pray, I pray, for Missio Day Church, I pray that next year when we get to this point of Advent, that you can look back over the year and say, my joy in Christ is exponentially greater. My satisfaction in Christ and Christ alone is so much deeper. My love for the gospel message is so much more profound than my love for His church His messed up, misfit people who are saved by grace. I love these people because they are His bride. And I am equally, if not more, messed up than them. I love Jesus Christ.
and I'll sing in the choir. I'll be like the angels who say, Fear not. Judgment's not upon you. For I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all people, all of you. It's available to you. Because the Savior has come for you. And on top of that, I'm going to respond also like the shepherds who discussed feverishly about the things that have been taking place and telling everybody about the good news of Jesus Christ. I pray that our church will be so deeply transformed by these messages of good news. That we are compelled to respond by the life-altering news that Jesus, the eternal Son of God, became man, lived a sinless life under law, died for sinners like me, and rose again to reconcile to Himself, being eternally victorious over every enemy that stood between God and man. And then when we hear things like Martin Luther saying, you know what? Put that one up again for me, Leah. It's the last slide, last couple slides. When I'm told that God became man, I can follow the idea, but I just do not understand what it means. For what man, if left to his natural promptings, if he were God, would humble himself to lie in the feed box of a donkey or to hang upon a cross? God laid upon Christ the iniquities, the sins of us all. This is that ineffable, infinite mercy of God which the slender capacity of man's heart cannot comprehend and much less utter that unfathomable depth and burning zeal of God's love towards us. Who can sufficiently, who can sufficiently exceed sufficiently, sorry, declared this exceedingly great goodness of God. Man, we cannot perfectly articulate the goodness of God. We don't have the words to describe precisely what He has done for us. We can fill volumes and volumes and volumes and still not adequately express it. But I pray that as day by day by day by day, by week by week by week by week, by month by month by month, year upon year, we continue to grow in the knowledge of Christ. And we have more words to explain it. And we find greater joy in our salvation. Here's my challenge to you. If you don't get it this morning, keep searching. Don't write it off. Keep searching. If you sense this morning, maybe for the first time, it's real. And it's true. Respond. 
respond. Tell the person you came with. Talk to me. Say, I don't, I sense that God is, God's speaking to me. There, Paul, you may be no angel, but I'm hearing good news for the first time. And I sense I need to respond. Talk to someone. Respond. Others of us need to respond with great joy. Great joy. The church of Christ needs to be filled with great joy because we've received the best gift ever. Greater than Santa. The best gift ever. We're going to be coming to the Lord's Supper, Communion. This is a meal for those of us who have given our hearts and our lives to the mission of Christ, who have been saved by His grace. And I'll be honest, no one is worthy of this meal. No one. But by the beauty of God's design and His plan for salvation, He has chosen us to be sons and daughters, to be rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of His Son, into a kingdom of light. And He invites us to come to this meal, remembering the good news. That His body is broken for us so that we do not have to be broken before God. His blood has been shed. The life-giving source has been shed so that we may have what? Life. So we come to this meal not in a funeral drudge, but with great joy, remembering what He has done, is doing, and what He will continue to do in our lives for those who are in Christ. Scripture says that on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. Saying, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of blessing and poured it out saying, this is my body or my blood that is poured out out for you. Poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would those who are serving please come forward?